Hello and welcome to Jump Cuts, a podcast about movies. My name is Charlie and I'm joined by my co-host, Will. Hello. And Park. Hello. This week we watched Suspiria. This episode brought to you by The Color Red. Red. It's in this movie. (laughs) All right. A lot. Uh, Yep. (laughs) The movie is like mostly red. (laughs) It's either very dark blues and blacks and then red. Yeah. There's some um, green once or twice. A lot of colors. Colorful film, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, Suspiria. Uh, t- and to be clear, listener, we watched uh, the 1977 version. Uh, I also watched the new version for extra credit, but uh, <laughs> we together watched the, the the original, and that is what we'll be primarily discussing. Uh, uh, Suspiria is about... A uh, ballet academy uh, that is attended by our main character, uh, Susie Banyan, an uh, American woman who uh, is a new student there uh, and discovers that it is haunted by witches. That is most of the plot. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is... uh, I I hate to keep repeating this, but it is uh, it is another vibes movie that we have watched. Uh, I'm glad we the, agree. The on actual, that. yeah, the actual plot of Suspiria uh, is not the main attraction. <laughs> yeah. uh, it is much more a uh, a visual feast. Uh, we'll talk about the plot because like there's there, there's funny stuff in there. I think, mm-hmm. but. Uh, the the good part of the movie and like the the stuff that makes Suspiria uh, k- kind of like a like a famous horror movie, right? Like it uh, is is in the history books as like a a classic uh, a giallo film, uh, which is I think it's just Italian for yellow. It's like a a, a genre of they're, they're like proto slasher movies almost. It's like what inspired the American slasher craze of the eighties, yep. where uh, Italian giallo film uh, which tended to be anything with uh, creepy crawlies or uh, uh, murderers or ghosts or ghouls or what have you uh, they all looked like this <laughs> basically maybe not looked exactly like this but uh, they had similar vibes to this movie and uh, it's directed by uh, the famous Dario Argento uh, who is extremely well known in that genre and this is, I think, probably his most well-known film. Uh, it was at least the first one that I heard from him. I think he's still alive, too. He is. He's 82, I think, when I looked it up earlier. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, he's still doing it. He's still... I think he, he he was making movies up until, like, pretty recently, if not, like, currently. Yeah, he wrote a screenplay last year. So yeah, <laughs> he's he still at it. He's still at it. Um, I think he was also part of the 2018 remake not like in true form i think that they just like kind of had him on board to make sure they didn't do anything too stupid uh, <laughs> yeah which uh and the remake is wonderful uh, and also an excellent movie which i'll probably talk about a bit later but uh before that uh what do y'all think what do y'all what do y'all feel i think this is a first time watch for both of you right it is yes. it is um I really liked it. I mean, I'm I'm not typically one for like the slasher horror picks. I like campy ones, and this is campy in the best way possible. 
for sure. <laughs> uh, no, I was I was a big fan. I actually I was I was really impressed by the special effects that they used for a lot of stuff too. I I had a good time. Yeah. Yeah, this movie kind of just completely washed over me, but like in a good way, not a not a bad way. Uh, <laughs> like like Probably you were saying, phone the whole time. <laughs> I was I was not on my phone the whole time. I was on my phone part of the time, but <laughs> anyways. But no, I think it it, it that might be the best way to uh, experience it. Is kind of letting the movie just wash over you. Yeah, uh, and like not getting too tied down with like the actual plot or like what the characters' motivations are, because uh, this was like a rewatch for me, and it uh, uh, I didn't gain that much more understanding on the rewatch. If anything, it just sort of made me realize like more flaws with the actual story and plot, uh, but also noticing more cool stuff with the uh, the visuals. Uh, it's a movie that sort of puts all of its effort in, in, into like one basket. It's really min-maxing towards uh, like looks and like lighting. Uh, sound is great. I too. haven't seen. Yeah, sound too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I almost forgot to mention the uh, <laughs> the ba- the uh, Italian prog rock band Goblin uh, who scored this movie and I think scored other Argento movies and other movies outside of just Argento ones. Uh, they're here and they're, uh, they're playing the synth, they're playing bells, they're laying down funky bass lines and they're wailing <laughs> into a microphone and it is lovely. <laughs> um, it's really like this movie will do. There's a lot of uh, something that I think we've talked about on the show before with like seventies movies where it's just people being filmed talking in a room from like weirdly far away and then they like zoom in because i guess they just got like a telephoto lens or something uh, <laughs> and uh they're like showing it off and people are just having a conversation with each other for way too long <laughs> in the movie uh like uh, like there's a couple of those scenes that happens here and there uh it's very like of its time in that way but then uh when the movie really gets going where it like really shines is when it's like scared character is walking down an impossibly beautiful hallway with just like the loudest music ever. (laughs) It's just like blaring. It's just like total like sensory overload in all the scenes that are, they're kind of horror scene. Like they're not like scary really, but uh, they're cool. I guess they're, Akin to like, kind of seventies seventies into the eighties like slasher horror scenes. I mean, I think like John Carpenter even said that he like took a lot of inspiration from Argento's films for like Halloween. Yeah, but and, like I think the I don't know the the way and granted I watched Halloween some like for the first time this year and I was like oh this actually isn't that <laughs> that scary either so <laughs> I think horror might be similar to comedy where like it doesn't always translate as well yeah uh, like over time I'm not sure exactly that's true but uh, it yeah I don't Charlie was talking to me about this it was either their group chat or in person but uh, that 
uh, you were like, oh, horror movies actually aren't that bad. This podcast is like, <laughs> maybe realize. <laughs> it's opened like, no, my one... eyes to the fact that they're mostly pretty stupid. <laughs> yeah, they're mostly yes. pretty silly. But they make a lot oh. of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although the, the remake has uh, a couple of scenes that are like some of the most horrifying stuff I have ever seen in my life. Nice. <laughs> Particularly like the first like violent scene in that movie is disgusting like vi- like viscerally unpleasant to experience great movie loved it <laughs> <laughs> this one actually I mean, had one of the most unpleasant horror scenes of the movies we've done on the show for me was uh which was liar? yes yeah good god <laughs> yeah that's it, crazy i and it's not like it was that like gory and it's more of like a saw trap situation than a uh you know horror thing but like there's it just that shit makes me cringe there's something about barbed wire and razor wire like gore scenes that actually get to me and i don't know if it's because like i grew up hiking in an area that had a lot of like leftover barbed wire from old farms that like i was taught as a kid to be afraid of to not go near because getting stabbed with rusty old barbed wire is you know not great for your health but it's also like something that's kind of, in a sense, real. Like, you could find yourself tangled up in razor wire if you're, like, incredibly dumb and try to climb a fence. And it can fuck you up really yeah. bad. I read yeah. the patent case on how barbed wire is so efficient, like, two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think it's just really easy to imagine the skin level shredding that would happen with yeah. that kind of thing in the same way that like i i don't know if you guys are this way but like okay i don't like needles for example not great with yeah. uh you know uh getting blood drawn for example anyways yep. i'm gonna get a tattoo soon but uh <laughs> you said on the podcast you have to do it now i uh, i'm to gonna do it listen to. i it's it's gonna just, happen i just, just don't. like all those projects that like we vary we've mentioned <laughs> that we've all followed through on. just like all those things <laughs> anyways <laughs> anyways um when i'm watching tv or movies or whatever like okay medical shows when they'll like you know show them like giving somebody a shot that is harder for me to watch than like somebody's head exploding from a gun because yeah. it's just it's 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 much more believable i guess like the part in this movie where a guy like gets eaten by his own uh service dog I don't know. I mean, I guess technically that could happen, but I was like, that's ridiculous. But the barbed wire was like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. The barbed wire is bad. It also, funny enough, you mentioned like the needle thing. It reminded me a lot of there's a trap in Saw 2 where someone falls into a pit yep. of hypodermic needles. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and has to like find a, I don't know, a key. I think it's a key. That, there. Yeah. It's always a key. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I, I saw the scene in Suspiria. I was like, oh, that's, that's where they got this from. That's yeah. Like, I think there's Pretty also a scene yeah. in one of the Saw movies where a guy does just fall into barbed wire. Hmm. I think it's like he's in like the chair with Jigsaw and he has to like push his face through a bunch of blades to unlock the chair, but it mm-hmm. blinds him and then he just tumbles into a pile of razor wire. Jesus. Yeah. It, it uh, is it is like a really effective like piece of... I, I think it's the most effective like 
scare or gross out in the movie. It is. Because, uh, like, the, the movie opens with uh, another, probably the most, like, outwardly violent scene in the movie is, like, the, the first, uh, is, is at the beginning where we have a, like, as Susie arrives to the school, another character is, like, leaving, like, she's running away. Uh, and the movie follows her for a little bit, uh, which is where we realize just how bad the the dubbing can be. But that aside, uh, <laughs> she uh, they get uh, they get like murdered by just like a, a a faceless man, right? Just like a dude. They got the they got the classic, you know, like like leather glove and like knife or whatever. Uh, the psycho, and, yeah, and they. Like the way he ends up killing them is like crazy, like elaborate and over the top, right? Uh, they like he he like drops her through like a skylight and like hangs her <laughs> or something, and then like her friend gets like crushed by the glass coming down. But like that was like gory compared to everything else in the movie, but it wasn't nearly as visceral as the razor wire <laughs> scene. Yeah, I mean, there's also it didn't like shoot up my spine like the razor wire. there's also something about like being tangled in razor wire and like there's like you have to struggle to get out but if yeah. you struggle in razor wire it only gets worse like it, yeah quick it, sand it, effect exactly um but sorry you you mentioned the like the leather glove thing i said psycho i'm just now realizing that we've done quite a few horror films on here we have never done a Hitchcock. We haven't. No. We have gone over a hundred episodes without doing a Hitchcock film. I don't think we've done anything close to that old is the other thing. I guess the uh, Kurosawa did. movies. Yeah. Well, as I said, we've done two yeah, Kurosawas, done, which are we've done a couple. Old. And I, I've, I've wanted to make y'all watch black Narcissus, but <laughs> it's going to be painful to talk about because the movie is very racist. But <laughs> I've never even heard of this. It, it, it's we'll get, we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> no, like we hidden fortress is older than psycho hidden fortress is 58. Yeah. Psycho was 1960. Oh yeah. Why did I think Hitchcock was like forties? No, <laughs> Hitchcock was like 50s and 60s. Okay. Yeah. I think like Vertigo is like late. I guess Rear Window is older. Rear Window is like early 50s, I think. But we should do some Hitchcock uh, I think, on the podcast. I, I think I thought unless unless they did Psycho in black and white like as an artistic thing because Rear Window's in color and Psycho's in black and white, but maybe that... Is this like a decision you made? I don't know. I think it is. I, I, I'm i pretty sure it was a stylistic choice. Psycho. Yeah, but, could be. But yeah, Psycho definitely. Uh, yeah, no, Psycho came out in 1960. Rare Windows 54. Yeah, I don't know a lot 54. about the history of like color film versus like when that transition happened exactly. And, I learned it yeah. in Dr. Larson's film class and i don't remember anymore uh because yeah, that has failure been a movie podcast that has been a very <laughs> long time but we should do some hitchcock on here we should you know uh yeah all the the all two hitchcock movies that, or all three i've seen have been wonderful so we should watch more should we also i don't know if we've said this yet Suspiria's in a Ita- well it's an italian film that I guess we all watched the dubbed version. 
I think that's the only yeah. version, right? Like, yeah. that's the only version. That's yeah. the only version. All the characters are mouthing the words in English. They might even be speaking English. Yeah, but the, you, it's funny. You can actually kind of see accents in like <laughs> just like like reading lips almost. Mm-hmm. It, I didn't notice it till this movie, and I was like, oh, that guy is like not saying those words the same way that they sound in like the dub, and I can tell that he's like speaking with a different. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, I, I think it's the same situation as the like spaghetti westerns where like there's not an Italian version. It's all it was only made with an English dub. Yeah. yeah which is pretty common in Jala movies from my understanding. Because okay. mm-hmm. like the market's bigger for English. A lot of people in Europe know English. Yeah. Uh and it it's had an interesting time in movies because I think a lot of people sort of like make fun of Italian movies for having like like crappy like dub over stuff. Uh, another example is a another famous example is Troll Two. <laughs> That's like an Italian production where they all pretend I didn't to be. No, that was Italian. It is Italian. Oh yeah, my a lot God. of a lot of like weird quote unquote like so bad it's good horror movies are actually Italian movies that are dubbed over in English. But, uh, not that to be clear, I do not think Suspiria is crappy, although the dub is bad, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it was like, it's at this weird time in like film where like a lot of, like a lot of people are just sort of okay with dubs like this. Like they're doing it in America too. Like it's not just Italy mm-hmm. where they're dubbing over like this. Maybe it's um, more egregious in some parts here than in other movies at the time right but uh i mean there have been like bad overdubbed lines that i've seen in movies as recently as like the 90s or 2000s right like yeah they still pop up occasionally does this movie almost all of the dialogue is like that (laughs) which is uh makes it a little hard to get into the the actual like plot of the movie just because like none of the conversations feel really like real people are having them uh, which is definitely like a negative. It isn't like a deal breaker for me. I don't know how y'all feel about like the uh, the plot and acting of the movie. Because uh, for me, it's like it's definitely the weakest part, but it isn't enough to. If anything, I mostly just find it like charming, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm like comfortable with being like, okay, this movie is really focused on the visuals and the sound, so let's just meet it where it's at, right? I mean, that's pretty much the best way to put it. With with any movie in this style uh you're either willing to meet it where it's at and then you have a chance to have a good time or you're not and you're going to be put off by it (laughs) so (laughs) i just i think it's just a choice the viewer has to make because like i it's it's not good but like that it's just how they made these movies in the 70s so like do you want to watch it or not (laughs) like i said at the beginning it's like it's that kind of campy that it like a, a campy film is not necessary. It's typically not a good film, but it's still enjoyable. Yeah. Okay. I, I have a, I have a question. You, yeah. Do you think this would have been considered campy in 1977? Did horror no. camp exist in 1977? I don't okay. think so. I, I have no think, idea. I, I think this would have been considered like epitome of horror, like psycho. Have you, have y'all seen psycho? I'm assuming Will, yeah. you've seen yeah. Psycho. 
I've think, seen Psycho. Yeah, I think, I, I think we watched Psycho together, Charlie. Like, we did. <laughs> back when we lived together in before in a different yeah. <laughs> Like, Psycho today, I would times. consider extremely campy. But at the time, it was regarded as this, like, epitome of horror film. And I think I, that I think, this was... I think seen- this is on another level, but I see what you're saying. Where it's yeah. like, t- today we look at it, we look at the special effects, the plot... It's, you know, there's so many horror films out there today that, like, it feels funny almost. But at yeah, the time... Yeah, everyone copied them. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> at the time, this was probably seen as, like, a truly scary film that you shouldn't bring your kids to. Because, like, this predated most of, like, the Cronenberg body horror stuff. This mm-hmm. predated Carpenter, like... I think Halloween was the same year, but... Halloween was the following year, I think. It had like a big cultural impact too. Not only like the like the genre sort of helped spawn the like slashers, like the American slashers of the eighties, but like I think it spawned like three different bands, like either named directly after or like inspired by <laughs> the movie. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah, Halloween was seventy eight. So Halloween was the okay. following year. Exorcist uh, was seventy four, seventy five, right? I yeah, Exorcist was mid seventies. Um, I'm also seeing that uh, Argento collaborated with Romero for Dawn of the Dead after he oh, did this yeah. film. Uh, uh, and also, I did see that Goblin did some of the tracks for Dawn of the Dead as well, I believe. Nice. I they, didn't know that. I, the, yeah, the soundtrack on this movie, I, I think it, it it's like one of the most memorable that we've seen in my opinion i think it's like really really good it helps that they they mix it like louder than anything in the movie <laughs> it's just like deafening uh but it's like the, the 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 title track on the the uh soundtrack it's on spotify if you want to listen just called suspiria is like genuinely like just a good song <laughs> uh it's like play it at your next halloween party or something <laughs> <laughs> it's like excellent uh and it uh i don't know it's i feel like most horror movies even the, the remake of the movie uh they have the, the remake has one song by tom york uh from radiohead i guess sort of maybe inspired by them having like a like band do all the soundtrack from the original right and he has one song in that movie and like it's all right but it's not nearly as exciting to me as what goblin did uh (laughs) for this movie uh it's i don't know i feel like it almost scratches like a the same itch as like because like a lot of modern movies now have like just like pop music like in their score right uh guardians of the galaxy sort of like kicked that off yeah uh and this gave like a similar vibe to that where like you're just like listening to a song sometimes in the movie but it also is like tailor-made to you know it's it's, like kind of in between right it's not they're not just like playing a a hit from the 70s (laughs) in it right uh but it is it's not something that you see in most horror movies you know uh it's not even it, it, it's like even more than because like John Carpenter is really known for like his scores. But this is so much more like in your face than even like a Carpenter score, which like those stand out on their own. Right. But like it felt it, it, it sounds like it's like made it, it's like made 
to overwhelm you, sort of. Yeah. Which I really like. It's also really rare to see like a band do a like an OST at, for a movie. Yeah. Like they do every song in the movie. I, the only ones I can really think of off the top of my head is I guess the pillows with Fully Cooley, which is a TV <laughs> I was show. About to say Fully Cooley. <laughs> uh, but also I what it's Queen did the soundtrack for Highlander, I think. Oh yeah. Oh, we got to do Highlander on this or something. <laughs> oh yeah. And I think didn't they also do the soundtrack for Dune or who did the soundtrack for Dune? Did Bowie do the soundtrack for Dune or something? I think that would be Bowie. I mean, Bowie's in Dune. No, it's Sting that's in Dune because it was the first time we watched it. I said, that's a role that Bowie would play. And then we saw it was Sting in the credits. And I was like, holy (laughs) shit. Amazing. Uh, uh, I honestly, I like it when they just have like a band. Toto did the soundtrack for the 84 Dune. Oh, that rules, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I I like it when a band does a soundtrack for a movie. I think it usually pays off. Like, I... I don't know. I mean, having just like one like composer do it usually is like good too, right? But but it's always interesting when you bring in like a full band. It, there's something yeah, different like they, about it. Because I think if like the sound adds so much to like the whole like the feel of like every scene, right? Like yeah. it, it just wouldn't be the same with like any like generic horror movie score. Um. And which is especially important when like the plot is so like whatever <laughs> it, it it stands out even more uh, now that I've seen the 2018 Suspiria because uh, the 2018 Suspiria is the plot is great. It's all, they got all kinds of themes and characters are changing and like stuff makes sense and there's tension built. It's like actually scary, you know, <laughs> it, um, but it doesn't have like, it, it's a beautiful movie on its own, but like it, it's a much more reserved color palette, mm. uh, to give y'all like an, an idea of what's going on. Uh, so in 1977 Suspiria, it takes place in Germany. So, uh, Berlin Wall still up, but it's like decidedly in like West Germany. It's like near the border of France. I I forget the name of the town it's in, but I looked all this up. Uh, And uh, meanwhile, the 2018 version is set uh, in Berlin, and the uh, the school isn't a ballet school; it's like a dance school. And it is, uh, I'm pretty sure it's on the east side of the wall, and literally out the front door of the school is the Berlin wall (laughs) and it is happening at the time of, uh, I forgot. It's like the, like the, is it the red August or whatever? It's like in the seventies, there was like a, a plane was hijacked. I don't know all the like history and politics around the exact, uh, like what was going on, but, uh, part of the like general political strife around, uh berlin in the 70s was this like hostage situation on a plane so like there's like the 2018 suspiria is like very interested in like the history of berlin at the time 
on top of everything that's going on in the school it, the movie's like tailor-made for me i almost wish we did <laughs> we did that one because it's uh, i i think it's also very cool um but it it looks the way you would ex- you would expect a movie about uh eastern berlin to to be which is gray yeah. <laughs> very gray <laughs> mm-hmm. that one is the start of the the mia goth revolution right yeah it was when... she's in like every horror movie now uh i don't i've heard her name but i don't know if she is in that one or not i have no idea i'll double check uh, but i'm pretty sure i read that earlier the what's her name the 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 woman from 50 shades is in it she's the lead she's great actually <laughs> uh dakota johnson yeah, yeah yeah she's the lead mia goth is also in it uh, okay yeah was it during like in 1970 during the hijacking like when the there was also like the jewish immigration e- emigration from the soviet union too uh i'm not sure i mean i know it, it's like a specific hijacking event they didn't mention anything about gotcha like a any sort of like jewish immigration i don't know i haven't i have not seen the remake so i, I and i don't know yeah. much about that anyway era of history but yeah anyway although and neither do i really other than just like a, a quick like look up that like no that like this really happened and the movie is like really interested in like that part of history and is also interested in uh making you want to throw up <laughs> uh, it, uh there's a scene in at the start which is like the most horrifying part to me uh where uh so like our main character uh Dakota Johnson is uh doing a a, a dance and she's been like uh you know bewitched by the witches who run the school uh and while she's demonstrating the dance she's like channeling the witches power or whatever to uh kill uh another girl at the school who's like trying to leave right it's like a similar it's a similar beat to what happens at the start of this movie where like one girl enters while another is trying to like uh like leave the school but they have the uh the the victim uh the girl is trying to leave it gets like stuck in a room with like no exit and as dakota johnson like (laughs) dances uh and it, it, it's like it's not ballet at all like it's a very like aggressive sort of uh dance uh, it is contorting the body of this girl in like impossible ways and like breaking bones and like uh, just like twisting her body as she's still alive the whole time in like really grotesque ways and it is uh filmed in a way where you see everything and the uh, stuff that would happen to you seems to be pretty true to life and it is disgusting jesus <laughs> it is uh. deeply unsettling to watch big i have to I, I like i want to recommend the new one but i have to put a big disclaimer of like it is one of like the most alarming <laughs> movies <I've seen>. <laughs> <laughs> it's and like and the end also has stuff that is uh, at that point, my senses were sort of dulled, but it mm-hmm. <laughs> is also crazy. <laughs> you talking about like you're saying, like the end also being crazy. Did y'all watch the trailer for the 1977 one before watching the no. movie? No. So it has one of the best like final lines of any trailer I've seen. And it's just 
that the only thing scarier than the last 12 minutes of the film are the first 92. <laughs> and then the trailer just ends. It's like, That's so funny. <laughs> Incredible. Which, it, you know what's interesting about uh, Suspiria? Like, when I watched it, I was like, wow, this movie is wild. I've never really seen anything like it. Like, it's so uh, disinterested in the plot and totally interested in just, like, woman walks down hallway and is scared while, mm. like, the craziest lights you've ever seen <laughs> are going off, like, around her and the music is, like, yelling at you. Uh, uh, like, this is like so cool i need to watch another argento movie so i watched inferno uh one night and uh this movie suspiria is relatively tame <laughs> compared <laughs> to inferno oh, which no. like within the first 10 minutes we just have like a nameless character doing like an escape room puzzle somewhere <laughs> in like the same way that i don't know it's like we skip all the intro of suspiria and just get right to like scared woman walking down creepy hallway <laughs> and that is basically the entirety of inferno I don't, I don't remember i was pretty inebriated at the time i don't remember much of the movie but uh -huh. it uh if you like the just like visceral feeling of watching the better scenes in suspiria inferno is like entirely that okay <laughs> but there's like nothing anywhere close to a plot like suspiria is like really like immaculately like plotted and paced compared to inferno <laughs> i so suspiria kind of felt like what you're describing with inferno to me a lot of the time which i think was partly the washing over thing and partly maybe because like i remember you being here watching inferno and like talking about it afterwards so that might have been like something i just had in my head as an expectation but in particular, the, like, start of the movie uh, with, like, the, you know, main character, like, arrives at the airport or whatever and then goes and witnesses this the horrible death or whatever. I was like, I there's no plot to this. What is happening? <laughs> She's just walking around watching crimes. Yeah, well, she didn't see um, the death. She just saw the person leave. She doesn't she see didn't. any of the aftermath. Okay, see, that maybe that's part of what confused me. Is I all these white women look the same? That is part of it. I, 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 bro, I all these they all I couldn't I like at the end all the characters look the same. It's not good. The like uh like voodoo doll ass one that's all like sliced up or whatever was that supposed to look like her or was that somebody else? No, that was that was her friend. That was her friend was Sarah. The steps and I see. Yeah, I thought that, that it was the same actor, and they like made a voodoo doll of the main character, and uh, that's what was happening. Okay, see, this is this is what I'm, that's I can't. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, that was because because she had the like slashes from the razor wire. Yeah, so it was the razor wire. Okay, that see that crossed my mind for a second, but I was like, nah, it's the same girl. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, dude. <laughs> That's that's kind of scary. I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't tell. All I think these. you invented a better better scene. <laughs> I could tell all these Italian ladies apart. Because if I saw just like my own dead self coming at me with a knife, that's way scarier <laughs> than just like someone I met at school a week ago. <laughs> I think that's part of the downfall of the whole like dub situation, though. Is it just it makes characters feel less distinct because like mm. you never fully attach their voice to them outside of you know 
to some extent like the accents which the main character does have an american accent and then like the main teacher lady is like german or whatever but uh yeah i don't know i i would struggle to call the the plot immaculately paced but maybe that's just me I don't know. It's, I it's not at all. It's not okay. at all. I don't just relative to notes. Inferno then. No, just Inferno doesn't have one. Okay. <laughs> Fair but enough. I so like that's why I it's like a it's a levels thing, you yeah. know. <laughs> it's just different tiers. Uh and like but I do have some some notes for this movie now that I've watched it again. Uh-huh. Uh which I know is like the most like egregious and like overly confident thing any critic can do <laughs> to a movie that they especially one as famous as uh Suspiria. but uh like partway through the movie uh Susie's friend I believe I think it's Sarah see I can't get anyone's name right in this uh but the the girl who falls into the razor wire uh yeah it is Sarah uh reveals to Susie that like Oh, the the girl who ran away and died. Uh, we were actually like friends, and we talked, and like she uh, had like a diary where she was writing down all these like notes about like she thought that like there were like witches in the school, and like we were investigating why the teachers didn't seem to really like leave the school, like they were staying overnight. Uh, and I want to like continue that investigation, and then she like immediately dies, right? Yep. Uh, but this is like 45 minutes into this hour and a half movie. Right. And like, uh, Sarah has already been on screen, like investigating the, uh, like teachers of the school for like a while now. Uh, right. Like it's like the first half of the movie is kind of like, it's like, um, we know a mystery is happening, but our main character, Susie does not, uh, she has no idea. Yeah. <laughs> and that takes a lot of tension out of what's going on. And I think that just Sarah just needed to talk to Susie earlier and be like, Hey, I think some shit is going down. Let's look into it. Right. Like that's all it takes. Just like make Susie more aware that shit is going down. And I think that that's scarier to me at least. Uh, cause in, for the first half of the movie, Susie uh, has no idea what's going on. <laughs> She's like totally ignorant to the heart, which can be maybe scary in its own way. But yeah. it, for me, it didn't work as because she she felt kind of aimless, you know. Yeah, I uh, feel like the main character didn't really do anything for the entire movie. <laughs> also, they had her dr- they had her like drugged the whole time. Yeah, which isn't great. Yeah, like you so- shouldn't do that in your movie because it makes the main character lose agency and makes it less interesting yeah like my biggest (laughs) uh, one of my biggest complaints about the plot in the ending is when she finds the the witches in the end and it's all you know all the teachers are witches and they're they're doing witch shit and they're casting a hex on her and the thing they keep saying that the uh, german lady keeps saying is like we call on you dark powers to to kill the troublemaking American woman, but like she hasn't done anything because you've already been like poisoning her the whole movie. Yeah, like, like <laughs> she's frame just been one, passing just, like, out. We have to kill her. We. <laughs> See, I she's thought too, of it. She didn't want to move in. We have to destroy her. <laughs> See, I almost thought of it as like a they had to sacrifice her. Like they were trying to do like a human yeah. sacrifice situation with her, not necessarily like. 
we have to kill her because she's bad because she's yeah really I, just I, like I, but they said the trouble making american woman i mean they're the, the they're vile weird, trouble German causing evil american people. lady they're gonna call her a troublemaking lady but she doesn't and, make and, any trouble it doesn't make any doesn't. sense and but and i I, do, I will say in the in the remake uh they it is they're they are doing a they're trying to resurrect the the leader of the coven, so they have to sacrifice a girl. That's yeah, yeah that's what they're yeah. doing in in the in the new one. But so like, it, they should have been more clear <laughs> in this <laughs> one because, or have her make trouble because yeah, you're right. She the yeah. only trouble she comes anywhere close to making is uh, she's living off campus. <laughs> she's an off campus student, <laughs> and that is it. <laughs> and they're like. Oh, don't you want to move into your new room that we've made for <laughs> the definitely not sinister reasons? And she's like, "Oh, I actually prefer uh, like my my like landlady slash roommate. The other one, I we actually are getting along great, and it's been fun. So I'd rather live there." Um, <laughs> and uh, they're like, "You're a willful child, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> you must be destroyed." <laughs> it's like holy shit. Yeah, yeah. Like it sounded like they could have talked her into it, but they didn't. They just like cursed her and made her like fall unconscious. So they and then they moved her in, and then re- the doctors like, be sure to have a glass of wine every night <laughs> to help your blood. And they're like, it's the seventies. I don't know anything. <laughs> that sounds right. Wine is red. Yeah, <laughs> like my blood. <laughs> And like the walls in this, mm-hmm. <laughs> this building. It, you know, I think it's a little, it might be a little early in the episode to say this, but uh, y'all are going to be real excited for my pick since it's next, uh, which oh, is man. Rosemary's Baby. Oh, no. I'm going to ah. keep the campy horror film trend going with Rosemary's Baby next. Yeah. <laughs> Our first and probably last Polanski movie. <laughs> yeah, we, we, oh we can my ad- God. Yeah, we gotta address the Polanski thing, but outside of that, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, we will save that. What I will stress this is Park's decision. Moving on, we'll talk about it. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. <laughs> I have to watch whatever he tells me to. I am <laughs> literally <hands> anything. Where were we? <laughs> the Got wine thing. Distracted yeah, we're talking about the wine by... thing. Uh, we're sorry. Just the talking about them being like, "Oh, all of this is completely normal. Just do these things, and it'll be fine." When you see Rosemary's Baby, will make sense. Yeah, I was. I, I don't know. I don't get the reference. I was seeing the movie. <laughs> hmm. Sounds like something known pedophile Roman Polanski would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess to a child. <laughs> <laughs> the closest thing I've seen to a Polanski movie is when he's in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Is that the right? The, That's the Tarantino one. The Tarantino, Tarantino one. Yeah, one yeah he's the, in the Tarantino movie. He's, in, wait, around. he's wait. in that movie. the The Tate murders happened like either at his house or yeah, it was his wife. Uh, yeah, it was at his story. house. Yeah. So yeah, and the movie is about the Sharon Tate murder. Are you yeah. are you saying that the real Roman Polanski was in the no, movie? Or that's what oh, of course he was. Okay. That's what I thought. He enters the country, and while I I wouldn't put it past 
Tarantino to if he could put the real Roman Polanski <laughs> in his movie because <laughs> he seems like a weird enough guy to do that. Uh, no, it's a guy playing Roman Polanski, and yeah. he's. I forget how he even portrays him. Not well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think, to be clear, I don't think Quentin Tarantino is pro-Roman Polanski. <laughs> but you have to have him in your movie about the Tate murders. So. Yeah. yeah. isn't he, He's in hiding in France, I think. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, uh, apparently you're just allowed to do <laughs> that. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. Not a good look for France. Yeah, no, say. not great. Uh, Where was Quentin Tarantino during the 1977 Oscars? That's the where were you on January 6th of the movie business. (laughs) Whichever Oscars it was where they had a standing ovation for giving Roman Polanski a a best picture or best director award in absentia because he was, you know, fleeing the country for being a pedophile. Quentin Tarantino was 14 years old. Okay, so uh, he wasn't there. It is, and to be clear, if I feel like we've made it clear, but if you're a new listener, we are very much the opposite of like QAnon people. Yeah. Right. But their whole like Hollywood is full of pedophiles thing, I feel like is maybe like they have Partially some true. There, there is some when, backing. Like, there was a standing ovation to a known pedophile yeah. <laughs> for making the best movie. <laughs> like, in the lifetimes of a lot of the people who believe in that shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, I, I don't They've always been right about Hollywood being bad. <laughs> I mean, he made, I mean, and this is the thing, too, is that, like, I've watched some of his movies and, like, not even, like, I didn't know that The Pianist was a Roman Polanski the first time I saw it. And I'm I like, didn't know that either. Yeah, and it's really fucking good. And he made that movie in exile. And it's, a, <laughs> it's a really good movie. And I hate that. <laughs> I also hate that we have to call it in exile because like, I feel like it, being in exile sounds so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it? It kind of does, you know. <laughs> Maybe we've been playing too much Magic the Gathering. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about exiling target permanent that feels so right. <laughs> but it, it turns out we're just sending the enemy planeswalker to France. <laughs> Should have exiled Roman Polanski so he couldn't keep coming back from the command zone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The graveyard is television. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways. What did Wizards of the Coast know? <laughs> Where were they? In the, Where was Mark Rosewater on January 6th? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. Um, Suspiria. Mm-hmm. Fun, campy horror film. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So I feel like every seventies movie we've done, we've talked about how seventies movies sure are like this, aren't they? <laughs> they are like uh, that. <laughs> they it's just for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's just a pattern of what we picked or if every seventies movie was like this, but they all have some real meandering sections, and I feel like the meandering parts of this movie 
were better to me than the last couple 70s movies we did, which was uh, The Exorcist, funnily enough, and uh, Parallax View, I think. Parallax View, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. There's parts I've... of Parallax View where it's like, uh, we are in a room and nothing is happening and there is some music playing. Uh, but like it's good, and then there's parts of it where that happens, and I'm like, this is nothing. Most of this movie, <laughs> it was effective when there was somebody in a room or a courtyard or a hallway, and nothing is happening, and there's really loud uh, church lady handbell chimes being played by a metal band. Exactly. Yeah <laughs> this this movie like thrives in the like the like slow deliberate parts right like that's yeah. it's like bread and butter meanwhile i do think also the movies we've seen so i've watched uh one other uh pacula movie uh who's the guy who did parallax view and i watched all the president's men and i think he might just be like that uh-huh. <laughs> i think he are... is from what i know yeah and i also watched another <laughs> i watched another movie by uh the guy what's the name of the guy who did the exorcist again crap John Exorcist. John Exorcist himself. Anyway, I watched another movie scoping it out for the podcast, but we can't do it. Uh, I watched Cruising the other night, Uh, which mm. is about Al Pacino going undercover in the gay community in New York to catch a gay serial killer. Yeah, no. It is a... It's not a good movie, to be clear. It's insane. It, it was like protested when it came out. I'm like, we can't do it. In it's the like, era, there's of, nothing for us. In the but era of JK also, his Rowling's, movies are sort of just a little boring. I think The Exorcist guy. In, in the era of J.K. Rowling's, you know, transphobic murder mystery novels, we cannot do a movie like that. We really like, and like it. <laughs> it didn't. Yeah, it didn't. I can't even say it didn't age well because everyone was mad about it at the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. everyone, people were like protesting whenever they would like shoot like anywhere outside, so they had to like do more stuff in like like on stages or like dub things over because like people would just be like shouting at them in public for filming the movie <laughs> because everyone was mad about their incredibly homophobic film, mm-hmm. and it was. Mm-hmm. I I watched it to make sure. <laughs> yeah, I this movie relative to those other ones, I think like cultivates atmosphere the most effectively, which is kind of astounding when you put that atmosphere next to like all the the challenges of the dubbing and uh the story not making any sense. Yeah, having a little a British boy who <laughs> looks like he subsists on entirely berries and cream. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that kid. <laughs> yeah, you got that guy. You got the, uh, the, uh, the, like, deaf butler guy who might not actually be deaf, who, like, looks like Lurch from, uh, the Adams family. <laughs> I think, I think on the rewatch, I noticed when all the witches were, like, dying after, uh, she like killed the main witch. Uh, his head was like bleeding on. He was on the floor and he was freaking out. So I yeah. think he was like, <clears throat> I don't know, a zombie or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like it's the fact that they've all like existed well beyond their natural lifetime, and the like head wi- the headmistress of the college is the only one keeping them alive at this point. Is that kind of what was going yeah. on? 
I think so, yeah. Pretty much. And, uh, who boy, if you want more of that, you gotta check out the remake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I had a good time though. It's uh it was a it was a fun film. Yeah. It's a good it's fun. It's uh short and sweet, uh super memorable visuals. I had a, I had a great time. Uh there's a reason I I rewatched it cuz it's just a lovely film. <laughs> Is it a hot take if I liked this a lot more than The Exorcist? I, no, no, I also like it a lot more than The Exorcist. It really isn't close to me. See, The Exorcist <laughs> is one of now, this is what separates like true true horror fans from you know people like me. The Exorcist is one of Chelsea's favorite movies. It's a movie she watches to relax. Like when Chelsea cannot fall asleep at night, she puts on The Exorcist. Is she okay? That's wild. That's <laughs> what the fuck. That's nuts. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I've seen The Exorcist multiple times in like recent history because of that. It's a I enjoy it. It also freaks me out in ways just because I don't like horror films. Uh, but I think I had a little bit more fun with this because it is more like, I don't know, it's campy fun. It's fun visuals. Yeah. It's good music. The Exorcist is kind of dry and then also has some like kind of legitimately jarring scenes, at least like the first time yeah. you see it. Are you... Were you on the Exorcist episode? Have we talked no, about this? No. Was that I the Exorcist like episode or did I miss that episode? I think you missed. I think I missed that episode because I think I was y'all about to did say, that was me and, when I was like in the middle of starting law school, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because me and Charlie talked about it and I think we were both sort of like underwhelmed. We thought it'd be scarier. I think it was a general vibe of that conversation. Again, I think that and goes this, back. And this I didn't think would be scary. Maybe it was an expectations thing. Yeah, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier too of like it, it the age of the film. Yeah. affects your expectations. I, yeah, cuz The Exorcist underdelivered. Like I was expecting like scary horror movie and it wasn't. And then mm-hmm. this I was expecting like cool like visual feast that is in like a horror movie form and that is exactly what I got, right? Yeah. And I kind of I, I maybe it helped that I knew more about it. Yeah, The Exorcist was, like, mostly just gross to me, but not in, like, the razor wire in this movie, skin-crawling, horrifying gross, and more just, like, wow, that's a lot of disgusting slime coming out of the child. That's a lot of vomit. to get out of those sheets. I think I'd buy maybe darker sheets if my daughter was (laughs) oozing slime (laughs) out of her face. Mm. When did y'all do The Exorcist? Sorry, like I was September or something. Okay, yeah, then I was in the middle of October. October, maybe. The part where she's stabbing herself with the scissors was pretty disgusting in a horrifying way, but other than that, it was like... I, there's there's some alarming scenes in that movie, yeah. to be sure, but it felt too, like, I don't know, all the religion stuff got weird. I think. Oh yeah, the, the Exorcist was our Halloween episode. It is weird that like the the conclusion that we came to about like the politics of the director uh in uh, the Exorcist and then like following it up with me watching <laughs> cruising. I was just like, <laughs> oh no. I, I kind of hate this guy so far. <laughs> I d I don't know. I might keep trying his stuff, but he might have to go in the bin with uh Michael Mann of just like directors that I have like beef with. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. 
Although I don't think Michael Mann is like morally repugnant. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm morally repugged by the women in Heat, but wait. Actually, yeah, wait. (laughs) You you know what? No, fuck God. (laughs) Yeah, Heat. (laughs) Anyways. Oh, you know what? The, The one other thing I wanted to bring up about Suspiria is, you know who I bet loved this movie? Is the uh, the Beyond the Black Rainbow guy whose name I'm forgetting? Oh right man, now. he had to be eating this up. This probably is the whole reason he made. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think <laughs> that the whole uh, reason he made Mandy and made it red. Yeah, I think yeah. that the long oh, hallway walking in uh, the end of Beyond the Black Rainbow probably owes a lot to this movie. <laughs> Do you want to pivot to like a horror podcast or you can just only do those? <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm kind of forcing us into that with uh, Rosemary's Baby next week. See, we're already on a track. We've done Menu, this, and now Rosemary's Baby. Maybe I'll, yeah. I'll keep us on accidental theme after yeah. that. We'll see. You know, I, I do want to say something about like, I'll, I'll talk about it in, in next week's episode, but I'm really excited to introduce you all to Rosemary's Baby because... It was the first film that I attended at Cinema Club. One of my friends came up to me one week in you know, my freshman year of college and was like, hey, I found this club. It's called Cinema Club. They meet on Mondays. We watch a movie. We discuss. We're doing Rosemary's Baby next week. I'm like, cool. I've never seen that film before. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, what is this? Like a boss baby type situation? What's going on? <laughs> Tune in next week for Park Lore Deep Cuts. Yeah. Tune in next week for Hail Satan, Rosemary's Baby. Exactly. Got get your park lore here. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I, I don't have anything else. Y'all got anything? No. Uh, that's it for me. I had a, I had right. a good time watching this, and that's about it. Yeah. Highly recommend. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty pretty comfy recommend. All right. Well, that was Speria. Thanks for watching. Uh, next week, Rosemary Rosemary's Baby as Park mentioned uh any plugs anybody bueller anybody got any summer associate positions at law firms out there even though most of my listeners are my classmates big plug for higher park (laughs) i would like to plug suspiria 2018 if you want a like genuinely like all the parts of the movie are good just like big prestige expensive horror movie watch that it's really gross. <laughs> uh, I would like to plug sending emails to Wizards of the Coast and telling them to run tournaments for standard. All right. That's all. <laughs> yeah, that. Give me my dual lands for free. Stop making me spin rares on dual lands. It Ridiculous. Sucks. No one likes it. Or make them uncommon or something. I don't know. Oh, that would fix everything. It would fix everything. So they'll dude. never do it. <laughs> They'll never. I hate card games. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll see you next week, folks. Have a good one. Bye-bye.